Hello, I'm Brooke Johnson. Welcome to my father's podcast. For this week's message, or any of the messages in our archive, subscribe for free on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Bethel Christian Fellowship is a church that relies on the support of its community. We consider you a part of that community, and we would love for you to participate in our financial life. You can do that at our website at drcraigjohnson.org. Whether you're new to this space or a regular pod listener, we're glad you're here. We believe that this message will bring you hope, encouragement, and guidance. God bless you. Good morning, Bethel family. Can we put our hands together and greet our streaming audience? Welcome. Wherever you are, whoever you are, we welcome you today in the name of Jesus. I am going to be in a text of Song of Solomon, one of my favorites today, Song of Solomon 8.5. The text says, Who is this coming up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? It's a beautiful imagery of the bridegroom the king bridegroom with his beloved. And they're coming up together out of the wilderness after times of testing, after times of difficulty, after times of offense, after times of uh, just life happening. And yet we see her staggering out of the wilderness, leaning full-heartedly upon her beloved. And beloved, you were made to lean. I was made to lean. You remember the song, you got to serve somebody, right? You're made to serve. We're born as servants. The question is who we're going to serve, but we're born leaners. And we're going to find out today that um, who we lean on, who we lean our full strength on, is the whole theme of the Song of Solomon, all eight chapters. Are we going to lean on the counterfeits of the world that will never satisfy us? Because there are counterfeits out there that claim to be able to bear our full weight. But when we see this portrait picture of the bride coming up, leaning her full weight, that is a very catastrophic uh, uh, act, leaning. And you only find that out if you lean on the wrong thing. If there's a crutch you're leaning on right now in your life that is not holding your weight, then you can fall and break every bone in your body. So it's very important who you lean on. And we're going to look at uh, five basic crutches today that the Lord may be removing from our lives. Did you know the Lord sometimes divorces us? He gives a writ of divorce to people, places, and things. Did you know there's a time when certain people can no longer remain in your life? And situations that you've grown accustomed to can no longer remain in your life. But see, we're all recovering leaners. We're born to lean. We're made to have to lean. But the question is, are we going to lean on the Lord Jesus Christ with our full weight and find that delicious abandonment of being able to lean fully and completely on him? Or are we going to lean on a person, place, or thing, or situation that will let us down? And I think uh, last week I pointed out that the bride is called by her bridegroom, his lily, his beautiful flower, and he says, and all the other women are thorns. 
sense. And so there is this work of distinction that is made between the beloved of the bridegroom and all the other women. He said, you're it for me. You're the most. You're the all. You're my favorite. And the others are thorns. And so we found out that the Lord is burning up the thorns in our lives. He's bringing a fire, a unique fire right now. And remember, fire burns up wood, hand, stubble, but it purifies gold and silver. So you don't need to worry about God's fire. It will only burn up wood, hand, stubble. It will only burn up what's inferior, but it will never do anything but purify the gold and silver work that he's been doing in your life. So you be encouraged, beloved. We need a few more bits of fire to come through our lives. And, and will I have anything left? Well, if you do, it's going to be gold and silver. Amen. So we just want our gold and silver friends to stay and our gold and silver talents, gifts, and abilities to stay and our opportunities to stay. And we want everything else to be consumed. So today I want to talk a few minutes about the condition of the bride, because as we've discovered her, she's lovesick. Did you know there are two, re two relational realities in love? There's infatuation, which gives way over time, if you stay in it long enough, to bonding and attachment. I have a beautiful quote by Dr. Jeffrey Schloss, Dr. Schloss says there's a brain hormone that mediates the feeling of being in love or being infatuated. One of these neurotransmitters is known as phenethylamine. And it floods our brain when we fall in love. It's also a very highly degree of quality. It's in chocolate. And all the ladies said, amen. And this chemical gives you the feeling of uh, exhilaration and a thrill and well-being. And high amounts of it can lead to loss of appetite. And this, so this chemical works somewhat in a cycle, in a relationship. So at the beginning of a relationship, this is the chemical that spikes up. But in four or five years, actually 4.5 years, this begins to drop. And at that point, our divorce statistics in the United States of America kick in. At 4.5 years, all the divorces start happening. But what's interesting is if you can endure the infatuation stage, then you can mellow at about five years into another drug. It's a different chemical. It's called oxytocin. And oxytocin kicks in at about 4.5 years, and it turns the attraction into a long-term fulfilling feeling of attachment. And if you can endure the infatuation, if you can endure everything the Song of Solomon is talking about, then you can ease into the next level of your walk with your beloved, and in your ministry. Did you know as a Christian that you often are at first head over heels in love with Jesus? That's the infatuation phase. And guess what? You're feeling this specific chemical, phenethylamine. Boom! 
It's your, it's your, 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 it's your, he's my first love. He's my, the whole song is Solomon. My beloved, I'm breathless. Give me raisins or I'm going to faint. That's totally normal. Thank God for that release. But oxytocin is going to take over at some point so that you can move from infatuation because we call people like that love addicts. If you're just addicted to phenotholamine, then you are going to bounce from relationship to relationship. We call them relationship junkies. Therapists deal with them all the time. They go from one, one most intimate relationship to another. They bounce back and forth because they're addicted to the one drug that ties you to infatuation. But in maturity, you're supposed to transition into oxytocin, which is attachment. And that's when you have the long abiding transformation. And what's interesting, though, is that the first love drug, phenethylamine, it tends to recycle over time. So if you stay in a relationship for the long haul, you go from infatuation to attachment, and there can be a renewal of infatuation. You say, I believe it when I see it. All right. That's what the chemical teaching said. I'm not at the Bible yet. Dr. Schloss is a respectable man from Santa Barbara. But have you noticed that in your spiritual life right now as I speak to the body of Christ? We were taught that you got to be in infatuation and stay in infatuation and it's Titanic all the time and Leonardo DiCaprio in the car with Kate Winslet and you got to maintain. No one can, you will die if you try to maintain your infatuation with Jesus or any human being or any friendship, you know. When friendships are new, this is what's kicking off doesn't have to be male, female. It's just got to be a person, a place, a thing, a situation where you first there's the honeymoon period. That's what we're calling the infatuation period. And then if you stay for the long haul, you're going to transition into attachment. Oh, I don't ever want to be bland. Don't worry, sweetheart, because it'll kick back up. See, our walk with God cannot be one honeymoon 24 hours a day. There are, there, it, it will ebb, it will flow. But what I want you to see today, what I want to talk about today is just those of you that are in the transition time right now, that maybe you're not as infatuated as you were and you've tried to maintain those feelings for Jesus, relax, calm down. Because he's bringing you into the oxytocin phase. He's attaching you. He's bonding you. He's bringing you into the long-term acceptance where you just settle down as his beloved and you know that you are the beloved of the Lord on whom his favor rests. You're not what you do, so you don't have to do anything right now. You're not what you have, so you don't have to act like you have anything right now. You can just lay there like getting a glorious Saint-Tropez tan, just bask in receiving his love as his beloved. And there's just something so nourishing about him accepting you no matter what. He draws a circle around all your good parts and your bad parts, and he loves every bit of you. 
Jesus is the only one that sees you for who you really are. And he even appreciates the blossoms of future fruit that is not even visible to any other human being. He sees those blossoms deep down inside of you. He sees you in a way you cannot see yourself. And then he calls you forward with that proposal of love, that proposal of marriage. He proposes marriage to you and he woos you down to the altar to himself. He will woo, but he will never ravish. There's something so beautiful because he knows that your long-term relationship with him is to be that one of leaning. Now picture that. If we all just leaned on one another today, where you're full weight, we had a dog that used to lean on us and then I'd sort of step away and drop him. He was a little cruel. I don't treat sheep that way, you know. But dogs sometimes. He would just come and lean and then we would just sort of step out of the way and he would fall down. Well, Jesus won't do that to you. That's lesson number one. But <laughs> I want you to see the full orb leaning I'm talking about, where if they move, you die. You drop. You're fully leaning on your beloved. That is what he wants. You're made to lean, and he came to let you lean to that degree upon him. And it's such a beautiful image. Here they come swaggering out of the wilderness. It's like, oh, they're so in love. It's crazy. Oh, they've got infatuation, but they've got uh, attachment. And the infatuation's coming back up. And they've got attachment. And, and it's this beautiful ebb and flow signifying their relationship maturing over time. Is your walk with Jesus maturing right now? Maybe you're not feeling the warm fuzzies and the huggy, kissy faces and all that kind of wonderful stuff. That's okay. The attachment is deepening. And I want to talk about the imagery of leaning real quick upon him. So you get the idea of leaning fast upon him. Practice leaning on your, your, your brother, your sister, somebody today, where, where if they move, you fall completely. That will give some of you a sense of perverse power. And those of you, we need to find out right now. I see a little of it happening to my left. You see, the problem with crutches, and let me, let me introduce the crutch right now. Um, crutches can become substitutes for God. You know what a crutch, a crutch is when we're leaning on something that cannot hold us. You know, I look at the life of King David, and I was reminded of the fact that he lost five crutches that he absolutely was leaning on. The first was his position with Saul, the king of Israel. Remember Saul, the first king, initially was uh, attracted to David, and he was brought in to lead worship, and then he eventually started leading his armies. And yet the scripture says one day that the, all the young women said, Saul has slain his thousands, David his tens of thousands. And it says Saul eyed David from that point onward. And from that point on, Saul became maddened with the green-eyed monster of envy and jealousy. And he just waited for an opportunity to betray David. And the first crutch 
that David lost was his position of prominence with Saul. Saul threw a spear at him. David's playing the harp. He's worshiping. And whenever you're worshipers, you got to watch out for the spear of the enemy because the devil's always throwing spears at harps to this day. Christian worship is being assaulted and attacked in social media unlike any other form of ministry. Because whenever the true harp appears, the true sword of Saul, envy and jealousy, dress it up as anything else, envy and jealousy. The sword comes to the harp. Well, David, the Bible said, ducked. When you're around Saul's, you have to learn to duck. Duck. And he left. And so his first crutch of social position, power, his position with the army was removed. His position in life, overnight, he lost that crutch. Now, I don't, I don't know what, if any, crutches you've been leaning on, beloved. But as I speak today, I just want you to feel the love of God come upon you and the mercy and the comfort of God come upon you. Because if I mention any of your five crutches, I pray that you will see that this isn't the Lord punishing you by removing a crutch, but he wants to remove something from you that cannot bear your full weight of leaning. Crutches often become a substitute for God. When we don't have Christ to lean on fully, then we tend to lean on people, places, or things. The second crutch David lost after his position with Saul. And by the way, that was that took all of his money. It took his position. It took his prominence. It took everything. It took all his credit cards. This guy had no ATM card. This guy had no cash. He has just lost everything. It's like one of the CEOs of one of these massive companies locked out with nothing. No cards, no cash. I don't know if your card has never worked, your ATM card. You ever had that feeling when you go to use that card and for whatever reason, it's not working? And you start going, I can't buy anything. I had $100 with the groceries up and my ATM card misfired. Now, I was correct. There was nothing wrong, even though they look at you as though you are demeaned to dirt. I was doing the, I don't understand this because there's, there's so many hundreds of dollars in the account. And I did walk across the way into the ATM and I was correct. The money was there. So I was able to pay for it. But there's that moment where they just see this all day and they don't trust you. They just go, yeah, well, I have it out with your bank. But could you just get all this stuff out of here? Oh, it was horrible. Horrible. Ooh. You know that moment. <laughs> well, David has lost his position. Secondly, he loses his wife. Saul's daughter, Michael, he loses her. She leaves him and he never, never has a normal relationship with her again. I mean, it's one thing to lose your job, but when you come home and the old lady's gone, it sounds like a country song. Remember when you play a country song backwards, you get back your wife, your farm, your bar, your kids, your job, your, yeah. So David is leaning on prominence and prestige. That crutch is removed. Then secondly, his wife, his primary relationship in life that is one man, one woman forever, that crutch drops out on him. And by the way, we find out Michael is not a spiritual woman. 
She's the one that's going to look out the window and mock David while he is dancing and bringing in the Ark of the Covenant. And uh, she is going to die without fruit in her life. David. So what we're dealing with is him losing his prominence, his position. Secondly, he loses his wife. And if that's not bad enough, all right, this guy's feeling pretty uh, rotten at this point because everything that he's been taught to lean on can no longer bear his weight. So what's next? Well, he goes thirdly to Samuel, the prophet, his spiritual mentor. This is his mentor in the Lord. This is his pastor. This guy is his spiritual covering in life. And he flees to um, Samuel and he meets Samuel one more time. And then he leaves Samuel and Samuel dies and he never sees him again. So he's losing his position. He loses his wife. He loses his pastor. You know, what's next? Well, what's next is his best friend, Jonathan. The scripture says he goes and he finds Jonathan, who is Saul's son. And he goes, what is your dad doing? What are the guy nuts? I mean, I love him. I, I would never hurt him. I'd never harm him. He's the king. I honor him. And Jonathan was his best friend in life, but Jonathan wasn't going to follow David into his kingdom. He was going to follow daddy and stay submitted to daddy. And he winds up dying the same day daddy does. So he loses Jonathan. And finally, fifthly, David loses his self-respect. The Bible says he gets so confused that he goes down to Akesh. What is that? Akesh is the king of the Philistines. Remember Goliath, little big guy named Goliath that David killed and chopped his head off? David killed the giant Goliath. He goes to Goliath's hometown and submits himself to service as a bodyguard protecting the king of Philistia, Akesh. What? This is going down to the drug cartels and making yourself a bodyguard for Pablo Escobar, if he was still alive. Can you imagine? And they go, isn't this Billy Graham? Isn't this the preacher? What's he doing down here? And the Bible says that David began to feign himself crazy, and he began to spit up on his beard like he's retarded. David, oh, how the mighty have fallen. I don't know if you've ever found yourself with a cash down in goth somewhere where you shouldn't be, where even the demon possessed people say, what is he doing here? Why is she thus? Remember Jonah ran the other way and everybody on the boat said, you shouldn't be here. What are you doing here? When the non-believers have to ask you, what the hell are you doing here? You know, it's trouble. So David is spitting on his beard, acting like a crazy man. And finally, Akesh says, look, don't I have enough madmen in my kingdom that I need this David spitting up at my door? Get him out of here. So even Akesh won't keep him. He gets thrown out by the king of the Philistines. Now, beloved, I want you to see his progression. Instead of leaning on Christ, he, leaned, he started leaning on the position that he had. Then he was leaning on the wife that he had. And then he was leaning on the pastor that he had. 
Then he was leaning on the best friend that he had. Then he was finally leaning on his own sense of dignity, which was shredded completely. Now, if you don't think you can fall that low, just please know God put David in the Bible to comfort you. If you ever wind up with Achish in Philistia, right, where Goliath came from. You know, didn't he kill Goliath and his brothers? What's he doing back here? Not the city to go to if you want to lean on a, on a pagan ruler and offer to be his bodyguard. Well, don't you feel a little better about you? You're not quite that stupid to do what David did. All right. Well, crutches can become a substitute for God in our lives. And crutches are difficult because they keep our focus horizontally instead of vertically. See, God's up there. People, places, and things are down here. And when you're on a crutch, you're in a position where you have a substitute for God. But secondly, you're only focused looking horizontally. You're looking, you're sideways all the time. You're not vertical. And your help is up there. And so as long as your focus is down here, have you ever done that? Found yourself trusting people, places, and things, even Christians? who you should be able to trust to some degree. Yes, but Christ, he is your beloved. You are to lean your full weight on him. He will never disappoint you. Any one of his people, places, or things that he gives you will disappoint you because they're only vertical. They're, they're only horizontal in their capacity, and they can become substitutes for God. I don't know about you, but there were times in my life where I just subconsciously became dependent upon certain believers in my life, that they were just there and they were always there for me. And sometimes I wasn't sensitive to the changing of seasons when God was trying to mature me and take me up the mountain a little bit. And maybe he was going to change the nature of my friendships, change the nature of your best friends. Sometimes you need to get a new best friend. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Well, I, that's my best friend. Maybe you need to get a new best friend because when you get a new best friend, that's going to up the quality of where you're going walking up the mountain with God. Have you ever had to leave people, places, and things? I hope you're here. I know you're all old enough to say amen. You're just too tired. <laughs> but you see, leaning, we're made to lean. We're born to lean. We must lean, but we have to lean on our beloved above all else because people, places, and things will let you down, honey. They don't mean to. But make sure your expectations are healthy. Because frustrated expectations get us into more trouble than anyone failing us. Well, I thought you were going to meet all my needs. Well, I thought you were going to be there for me all the time. And I thought you wouldn't fall asleep when I was singing. And I thought you, well, sometimes our expectations are really fraudulent, right? That person is a broken, fallen, needy human being just like you, and you have to have healthy and realistic expectations about them being able to meet all your needs. Jesus will bear your leaning. He will never drop you. But every position you have, every spouse you have, every mentor you have, every best friend you have, even your own sense of your own self-respect can hit a point where you go, I'm out of gas. <laughs> I'm sucking dirt in the line. I told Brooke the other day, she returned the car with not only no gas, but there was so much dirt sucked in the line. I said, baby, 
Put some gas in. Don't just let the dirt suck in the line. And some of us in life run on empty for so long, we're sucking dirt in the line. <laughs> what's, what's that sound? That's dirt sucking in the line. All right. So we, we need to be sure that we are full and filled. And we only do that by leaning on our beloved. Isn't that funny? That one text says, says everything. We come out of the wilderness leaning on him. And there's no more confidence we can have than leaning on the Son of God. And if position comes, praise God. If a, a marriage partner comes, praise God. If a mentor comes, a pastor, praise God. If a best friend comes, praise God. But when it's all said and done, if Christ is our first, our last, our everything, then we are leaning on the right crutch. And he is my crutch. People say, you Christians need a crutch. No, he is my back brace. He's every, he's my wheelchair. <laughs> he keeps me standing like those skeletons in the doctor's offices. <laughs> he got me. I, I, I'm not leaning a little bit. He is, he's my everything. Beloved, I think it's shifting from infatuation to attachment. And that's beautiful because the infatuation will be rediscovered if you stick with it in the long haul. I'm encouraging those of you that have stuck with it in the long haul, that you serve God no matter what, that you lean on him no matter what, that as this world offers all of its brilliant-looking crutches, and it's opportunities to lean. Just know you can never lean on the crutches this world offers because any crutch can be removed from you. But when Jesus removes all our crutches, he's there for us to lean fully and completely on him. I've let him down, but he's never let me down. Whenever I've leaned on him, he's never dropped me. And I want to encourage you to feel the glorious feeling that you feel when you lean wholeheartedly upon him. And you lean on your beloved as you're coming up out of the wilderness. So many of you have been coming up out of tremendous testing times, uh, times of conflict, uh, times where you've been just having doubts and insecurities. And don't worry, just lean on your beloved. And you'll walk all the way out of the wilderness, all the way back into the promised land. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so for your precious bride who is learning to lean wholly and completely upon you. Lord, all the crutches of this world just have us looking horizontally. They become God substitutes. They're people, places, and things that were never meant to hold us up, never meant to make us whole. Only you can, Jesus. Forgive us, Lord, for, for leaning on any person, place, or thing other than you. You're the only one who can bear us or will bear us. I give you praise right now, God, that you would comfort your precious ones. Fill them with your life. Fill them with new infatuation to go along with the, in, the attachment. Revive our relationship, Lord, in a first love capacity. But Lord, we will serve you and lean upon you at all times and all places, whether we're feeling uh, warm fuzzies and liver quivers or not, because you are our only source of leaning. 
in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. We love you. If we feed you, take a step and feed us and bless us. And that's the best way I can say it. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift his countenance unto you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. And David, come on up and bless us. David is going to lead us right now in the table of the Lord. The most holy point of connection. In all our infatuation and our attachment in every phase of our life, we go to this table. So get your elements right now at home. If you want to take just a moment. Welcome everybody to Bethel. As you get your elements together, I just want to encourage you that those of you that are waiting for God's healing, I know I've been there, still am in a couple of regards, but Jesus has always come through. There's a promise in um, Habakkuk 2 verse 3 that that even though this was a uh, a prophecy for Israel itself, I've adapted it for myself, for my health. I just want to share it with you and speak it over you because I love it. It's a great promise. For the revelation of your healing awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end of your affliction and will not prove false. Though the healing linger, wait for it. It will certainly come. And will not delay. So be encouraged today. Jesus paid for your healing. It's coming. Let's break it and let's partake. One thing you don't have to wait for is the forgiveness of all your sins that Jesus paid for 2,000 years ago. But the appointed time today, I feel, as I was talking with Pastor Craig before the service, it's time to end the guilt, condemnation, and sin consciousness that you may be dealing with. Let his blood wash you clean of all those things and receive his forgiveness fresh and new. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you for your word and thank you for this house of worship. Thank you for our pastor. And thank you for the table of the Lord. May it refresh you today in Jesus' name. We hope today's message has been a blessing to you. And if it has, please visit our website at drcraigjohnson.org. There you can find additional messages of encouragement. And if our ministry has been a blessing to you, please consider us in your ministry giving, as we depend solely on the financial assistance of our listeners like yourself. Also, please feel free to send any personal prayer requests. You can find us online at drcraigjohnson.org. God bless you.